Some interesting bills making their way through Keys and Ledgeco at the moment. An income tax bill and sanctions bill which primarily tidy up existing provisions, while a vaping bill and an employment bill introduce more significant changes to existing law. We hear shortly from Alex Allenson about the assisted dying bill and later from Enterprise Minister Tim Johnson who tells us that there's nothing to see here regarding government's plans to mothball work permits legislation. We'll start with Treasury Minister Alex Allenson and the income tax number two bill. It was a relatively short and easy ride in in Keys uh, for this piece of legislation. Uh, Tell us a bit about what the bill was about. These taxation bills are brought in um, as procedure following a budget. At the time of a budget, Tim Wald will vote on issues of taxation, but those then have to go through a legislative process in terms of first and second reading and then royal assent to come into practice properly, as they should do, as any legislation should do. Now, at the February budget this year, Tim Wald agreed on a change in our taxation policy, which basically looked at those people earning over £100,000 if they're individually assessed or £200,000 if they're jointly assessed and reducing their tax-free allowance um, based on, on excess income over that level. And this was seen as a progressive way of raising more money without necessarily changing our taxation rates. So what this bill does is actually establish that in statute. Um, and going, for, It's already been applied through the budget, but this just seals that off in terms of our legislation. And specifically then in terms of the money that this may uh, actually raise, has Treasury got any estimates as to how much that could be? Yeah, it's, it's in the order of several million pounds of, of extra revenue. What I made quite clear at the budget in February was that we were drawing down on reserves um, this this year and further years, but that drawdown would be gradually reduced by building up government income and being far more prudent in terms of government expenditure. So looking at the way we raise revenue, particularly through taxation, is one of these ways of delivering a balanced budget within the medium-term financial plan over over the next three to five years. That's obviously become more of a challenge because of the high inflation costs we've seen this year. But Treasury is still committed to, whilst we'll need to draw down on reserves in the short term to fund our public services, to actually look more far more longer term to getting back onto a balanced budget. And of course, uh, going back to the purpose of this bill, I mean, you've you've put an order through, um, and the reason that you put the order through, of course, is because moving a bill through. Keys and Ledgeco takes some considerable time, uh, certainly longer than it would take to quickly implement um, provisions that are announced in the actual budget. So effectively, the order is, is, is there to allow a swift introduction of something and then the bill carries on um, short, uh, you know, afterwards to, to, to cement that in, in, in the Manx law. That's absolutely right, but also it gives the opportunity for, for members, although they, they voted on the budget and it all seems like a good idea at the time, to have that time for extra scrutiny. So, for instance, when, when we're looking at taxation, and some of the conversations we were having in the House of Keys sitting this morning are about some of the unintended consequences of, of, of changes in taxation or changes in some of the fees orders, and does it does it affect different people disp- disproportionately, and does it actually do what it was intended to do? So I hope that by bringing the these sort of orders through the legislative process, we can make sure we get that scrutiny both from inside Timwell but outside as well. So removing 
Treasury Minister hat then uh, and putting on the uh, Alex Allenson constituency MHK hat um, you are obviously moving what is I think like a reasonably controversial bill in relation to as- assisted dying. Uh, you had a fairly powerful speaker um, uh, talking to Keys and Timwald members uh, recently. I, I, I did. I mean, one of the aspects of the assisted dying bill, and I, I think you're right, that, that it may be seen as contentious by some, but I consider it very important, and I know a lot of my constituents do as well, that, that we look at compassion and choice at, at the end of end of life. Um, I've been looking very much at, at trying to inform members ahead of second reading in terms of some of the technical and medical aspects, but also looking at, at more the, the sort of ethical, moral and religious aspects of assisted dying. So it was a great pr- pleasure to welcome um, the Right Reverend um, George Carey to the island. Um, he flew over to talk to members about his own journey, really, um, in terms of being previous Archbishop of Canterbury. Um, it was quite interesting. The, the, this, this is the, the third time the House of Keys have discussed the assisted dying legislation over the last two decades. And he was describing how he's discussed it three times in the House of Lords as well. And the first two times was were very much voting against it. But by the third time, he'd gone through a process of analysing his own faith, analysing his own experience, Experiences and his own um, position on assisted dying and voted in favour and he was explaining why and very much explaining from his point of view that there were no religious um, restrictions that would stop assisted dying being being brought in in terms of legislation legislature um, to, to anywhere but particularly the Isle of Man and also his own moral and ethical viewpoint on, on helping people who are approaching an inevitable death. There is also to be a presentation, I'm told, um, from someone from, I think, is it the Atheist Society, uh, basically speaking against the, the, the bill. So, so I think it's what, what's, what seems to be clear is it's not clear whether the, um, people can oppose the bill purely on religious grounds. Uh, it does seem as though there seems to be uh, quite a mixed view out there. I, I think there is. What, what, what I think George Kerry was quite clear in doing was basically saying that that religion should not be used as a cloak um, that 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 can be that can be wielded to to say that you you shouldn't have um, assisted dying provision. Um, he very much said that from his own personal viewpoint, but also religious viewpoint, um, felt that assisted dying could fit in really really quite well with um, established palliative care and end of life care, and wouldn't contradict certainly his values and his Christian faith. And I think we we all need to recognise that there are a whole range of different opinions about assisted dying, and I genuinely respect all of them. What we're trying to do through the legislation and the the draft bill that will be going for second reading is establish the provision for those people who who need and request assisted dying. This does not put anyone else under under compulsion to have it. It doesn't force anyone to either take up that offer or take part in the process. And I've been quite clear in terms of the, the ability for people to conscientiously object to taking part, whether they be in the medical profession or, 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 or other healthcare providers. We've had, obviously, a response from the Alabama Medical Society, but also a response from the British Medical Association um, looking at the way that we could make our, our legislation fit to have a register of those doctors who would provide it and, and actually certainly in no way force other doctors um, to take part in the process if they, if they didn't agree with it. So this is a choice. It is an option for a very small number of people who are adults, who have capacity, 
who are approaching an imminent death due to a terminal illness, expected to die within six months, that they could request um, to actually have that autonomy and the ability to die on their own terms. And I think that that's very important for the, that small number of people who might take it up. And the bill returns to the Keys uh, in, in the near future? It does indeed. We we're planning um, second reading um, by, the, by the end of this month. And that's a good way of judging um, members' at, uh, appetite to take this further. There will still be lots of questions. There will be amendments during clauses stage if, if we get to that, to that, to, to that situation. There, there's a lot, still a lot of work that needs to be done to, to get the bill fit and right for our island. And then if it was to, to, to be passed and, and gain royal consent, the implementation of these sort of bits of complex legislation can take one or two years because what needs to be then done is, is all the regulations, guidance underneath it, but more importantly, the education and training of everyone that takes part. So we, when it can be applied, it's done in the right way. And I think a lot of the members I've spoken, spoken to are very supportive of the bill, but want those safeguards built in, want to make sure that, that we have something that, that stands the test of time, that cannot be altered, that cannot be um, used to, to have unintended consequences, that actually does what people want it to do, which again is, is to give that, that right to compassion and, and, and choice at the end of life for those people who request it. That was Alex Allenson, MHK. Enterprise Minister Tim Johnston next. Minister, you brought a bill through its second reading in the House of Keys uh, today. Um, what was the the bill? Well, what you know, this is the Employment Amendment Bill 2023. What's the, what's the the bill actually about? I think fundamentally, it's about bringing our employment legislation up to date. And when I say up to date, I think uh, making sure that we are at least equivalent to the UK. Um, we all know the broadest challenges of skills and skill shortages and attracting people to the island. I think it's really important to make sure that people coming here with an expectation of, of what the legislation would be similar to the UK, and I think that's really important. So that, that was certainly the driving part. And from that also, we also had various committees over the, over the period of the last two or three years talking about various issues um, around zero-hours contracts. I think the previous chief minister, um, there was a committee on that. The committee on population rebalancing talked about the importance of shared parental leave, um, and then there's also the whistleblowing committee with recommendations. So it's bringing all that together, bringing it forward as what I call we call a part one, um, which is covering a lot of those areas, with a clear understanding that there's more to do, and there'll be a sort of a part two ne- coming forward, and we'll be going out to consultation on that next year, bringing further further reforms in, because it's a very fast moving area employment legislation, and um, so. It, Every time you think you're up to speed, it sort of tends to move on again. So it's, it's, it's making sure that we are as up to speed as we can be, keeping a really close eye on what is going on elsewhere and making sure we're, we're putting, bringing the changes we need to bring. So, Luke, and then specifically at the provisions of the bill, um, I mean, it, it, one of the, the, the big things, uh, certainly if you were a father anyway, one of the big things is it allows fathers to be eligible for parental leave in the same way that mothers uh, might be, um, which will be quite a quite a significant change to to what the the current situation is. Effectively, you have that shared parental responsibility going forward, don't you? Yeah, and that's right. And I think again, um, 
from the public consultation we had last year on on this um i think well over 500 people put into that and these were some of the some of the clear issues that were coming out and and recognizing that um you know that balance and that ability for families to share responsibility and have that flexibility is is really important and and it's it's uh, very much reflective of the society in which we live uh, you know perhaps um, the the legislation as currently stands uh, reflects a, uh, a, a society from generations past where uh, you know the head of the household was the man who went out out to work and uh, you know we've moved on so so much uh, since that time that um, the idea of having uh, equal rights in, in relation to uh, parental leave uh, is, is really not extraordinary and it's quite surprising I suppose if anything that uh, the, the legislation hasn't changed thus far. Absolutely right, Phil. I mean, this is, is this is recognising that that fundamental point of of bringing our legislation up to speed, up, up to date, that's relevant for for modern society, for the way people live now, the way people work, and the flexibility that there is in in that sense now. You know, we've got to make sure the legislation around that reflects that. There was a very moving uh, contribution by Michelle Haywood, uh, MHK, who um, was asking about why it should be that um, mothers who had lost a a child uh, would have to describe their illness um, in in fairly um, upsetting uh, terms. Is that something that the department's going to be able to take on board in relation to the bill or perhaps in relation to um, uh, regulations that might uh, follow, that come out of the bill? Yes, and I think having that instant uh, right to parental bereavement leave um, without having to have those difficult conversations, having that in place is really, really important part of, of it. I mean, that's, you know, it's... it's, it's when you talk about it, like, like as you've raised it, it's, it just sounds incredibly insensitive and unfair, and it's so important that we get these things sorted out. And I think you heard the emotion in, 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 the, in the discussion and how important this is for so, so many, many people. The um, well, in certain aspects, the Isle of Man is ahead of the United Kingdom. So, for example, we actually have statutory maternity payments, don't we? Um, so. How will that uh, change, uh, bearing in mind that uh, the legislation is now bringing forward uh, equality when it comes to uh, parental leave? Um, Does that mean that there will have to be subsequent changes to uh, any uh, sort of uh, benefits that are available from the government? Yes, and there'll be further discussion. Um, obviously, there's regulation to put in place. There'll be further discussion with Treasury on that and in, in areas where, where there are current allowances to make sure that things are, are brought brought up to date and up to speed. Um, and that's, that, that's an ongoing process as part of this process. On a, another item that the, the bill covers uh, in relation to zero-hours contracts, it's fair to say that the member for Douglas North, David Ashford, raised uh, quite some, some concerns which... I have to say, I wasn't entirely clear uh, after he'd sat down what those concerns were. But he did state when he opened his remarks that that the bill is noteworthy for the things that it doesn't include so much as the things that it does. 
Uh, in relation to zero hours contracts, what does the bill actually do? Well, I think the bill looks at the, the committee's recommendations the, that came out um, and, um, and it's looking to amend that employment, the Employment Act, the 2006 Act, and that's in including things like uh, public interest test, vicarious liability for employers and the removal of the requirement that a protected disclosure is made in good faith. Um, and it also brings forward a few other measures as well. So it, it gives the power to make regulations to require prescribed persons to report on whistleblowing on cases. It gives a power for inter, inter, interim relief and um, it also gives a provision to make sure that a, a protected disclosure has, has been made clear. And that last one was something that came out of the uh, the uh, Dr. Ranson Tribunal, where a recommendation from the Tribunal was that um, making sure it has been absolutely clear that there has been a, a protected disclosure has been made is so important. That was something they came out to say it, it would help to really reduce a lot of a lot of uncertainties. Um, so that's a step further than the UK. So that's learning from our own, our own our own situation and bringing something forward, which we think is you know is very positive. And. I mean, that, that's more about the whistleblowing element, mm. but but in, in terms of the zero hours, um, uh, were you any the wiser, more more than I was in, in relation to David Ashford's comments? No, I think I think um, you know, as I said in in the debate, I think the sensible thing is, which which we're always happy to do, is to is to sort of sit down and chat about that and understand the, the issues. Clearly, we've got. Uh, uh, clauses coming up in in a couple of weeks. Some of this is obviously more re related reg regulation, which I'll be bringing to Tim Will next month as well. So happy to have that conversation. And of course, the other thing that uh, this does um, in part respond to is the uh, rebalancing the population uh, committee. There was a, a committee's report that went, I think, was it June or July, Tim Will, uh, at which um, uh, you know, uh, which the committee was looking into the way in which the the balance between um, productive uh, members of, of, of the community, as in employed uh, people, uh, as opposed to those that were supported, primarily retired and um, uh, children, um, that, that that balance had, had, had got out of kilter. So this, this bill does in, in some way uh, respond to some of the, the recommendations that that report uh, brought forward. Yeah, that's right. And I think um, certainly, um, as you mentioned before, one of the key ones that came out was the was the shared parental leave and having that uh, you know, 52 weeks for, for, for uh, after the birth, birth of a child and, and, and that flexibility um, is, is really, really important in that, in that area and bring, bringing that up to speed. The bill has quite a lot of uh, support. I mean, as you say, there were uh, 500 consultees. Um, the Chamber of Commerce is, is very supportive of this as well. Um, is, is this um, likely, do you think, to receive support as, as you go through the, the, the various stages and it goes on to, to LegCo? Uh, you're expecting a relatively smooth ride for this? I think so. As I say, we've, we've, we've really made sure, obviously, we, we've had an open door to hear, hear concerns from, from members and obviously we had the consultation. Um, some of the, some of the issues aren't relevant to this part. As I say, we will be bringing forward further consultation next year. So we, we hope to capture some other areas if necessary as we, as we go forward. Um, so, but yes, I, I think and hope that this is is seen as a very positive step of bringing up our legislation up to date, um, and uh, which I think you know is incredibly important for our economy as well. Um, there's always a balance. 
um, this, this is sort of setting minimum statutory frameworks. Clearly, lots of employers are already doing more in this area, and that's very much a decision between the employer and the employee, and that's, and that's great. But it sets that framework, which I think is really important that we, that we haven't had. Um, there's always a balance on, in, in a place and on an island where we have a lot of small businesses. Um, we've got to make sure that we, we consult, and when we do bring changes in, there is time for businesses to understand that, and we work with businesses to support as well, because sometimes these changes can be quite big for, for small businesses. So there's, there's a job of work to do there as well to make sure we're helping helping business over the line with some of this thing, some of this thing, some of these things. And and in terms of the um, the the man and woman on the street, um, the the, the this effectively gives them greater protections in 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 three areas uh, or, or greater support um, both uh, well the, the shared parental leave zero hours contracts and uh, whistleblowing yeah i think it's 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 covering a broad range of issues um that have needed to be updated um and and you know and and some recent things that have happened on the island have, have, have highlighted as well the, the need for us to do that. So it's really important that we, and as I say, as we go forward, in what is always often a very fast-moving area, employment legislation, I think we need to make sure from now on we don't let things fall behind as they, maybe they have done in the past. Just a, a final comment then. Uh, I mean, your um, department has brought forward proposals to mothball the um, work permits uh, legislation that perhaps didn't get quite so much uh, or universal support. Uh, certainly Chamber of Commerce thought it's a good idea, but a lot of the representatives of the workforce were less uh, eager to support that. Yeah, and I think, you know, I, th- I think we accept that this is a, for some this is a contentious issue, and there's... Um, Work permits have been quite a symbolic thing for, the, for for a small community, and of course, they've been. It's been something which has been the absolute need for in the in the past. What we're doing is recognising the the current economic landscape and the situation we're in now, and where it it is not necessary when ni- over ninety nine percent of work permits are currently passed. At a time when we're trying to remove bureaucracy, governments often criticise for, for for levels of red tape. At the present circumstances, it is not. It is not. Uh, seen as, as as necessary and also the important thing is 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 by having a basic registration in place rather than the work permit and this is for this is for people coming to the job uh, coming down with a job is we'll be able to gather a lot more data um, because we have lots of exemptions at the moment the work permits well over 30 it gets very confusing we don't get the data collection so having a simple registration process will give us a lot more information and it'll give a lot more certainty to individuals because they know they've got a guaranteed five years ability to be able to work on the island and i think it just tidies up the whole process but like you say circumstances could change it's not being scrapped it's a, it's a temporary suspension that was enterprise minister tim johnson mhk finally legco sat last tuesday and at that sitting the vaping products bill 2023 received its principal stage reading The bill introduces new legislative powers relating to the manufacture of vaping products, the composition of vaping liquids and the sale, importation, advertising and promotion of these products. Diane Kelsey, MLC, moved the bill and received general support from her LegCo colleagues. Rob Mercer, MLC, raised concerns as to why single-use vaping products were not considered in the new legislation. However, DEFA member Tanya August Hansen, MLC, explained that this matter had already been 
been addressed through regulation under the Climate Change Act. Kerry Sharp MLC expressed her concern that while the bill does prevent the sale of vaping products to children, it doesn't appear to make it an offence to vape, for example, on school premises. However, Mrs Kelsey felt that the provisions of the bill already covered this and allowed for schools to be classed as public premises. Meanwhile, Bill Henderson brought the sanctions bill back to LegCo and successfully steered it through its clauses and third reading stages. At the conclusion of the sitting, a presentation was given to the bishop recognising his many years of service to the Legislative Council. Lots of bills on this week's programme, but the one that's filling MHK's inboxes this week is the assisted dying bill, which is due to have its second reading tomorrow in the House of Keys. Despite the at times dull nature of primary legislation, it is one of the most important functions which Tinwald members perform, so good to see these bills coming forward. Let me know your thoughts on the programme by contacting Phil Gorn at manxradio.com and get in touch if you have any ideas for future shows. For now though, I'm Phil Gorn. Go to Mayo. Thanks for listening.